Welcome to Alive in a Kick-In, which brings you this week in the 90s from the original 1990s football podcast. Thank you very much for downloading, as always. On this week's show, we say an end of an era to Brian Clough, the rant of the era. Yes, we're talking Kevin Keegan, so Joel can't wait for that. Plus more Keegan shenanigans and England at the end of the decade as well. All that and loads more to come here on this week in the 90s. Hello, this is Luis Amor Rodriguez and you are listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast, okay? Now, where is Linda? Here we go then. Well, I can't do this on my own, can I? You know I can't do this on my own. It's a little bit later this week. We flipped it around because we wanted to get that Wenger show out for you so you can listen to. I hope you've enjoyed that one if you've digested all of what we were looking back on in Arsene and Arsene Wenger back in the 1990s. Fresh off that show as well. He was a last minute sub for me on that one. A couple of scheduling problems, another guest, but he's always there. He's like part of the fudger. Literally, he came in for that show and he's fresh off that. He's my friend and yours. He's a social media mogul, most recently at The Voice, um, and he'll be on your TV screens again I'm sure very soon um, Joe how you doing buddy I'm alright man yeah it feels like only yesterday Ash you know there's my joke literally feels <laughs> like it was only yesterday looking forward to a bit of Keegan today oh mate I, I, I've already got myself annoyed looking at Keegan like really 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 angry about Kevin Keegan but, <laughs> oh. yeah going to be fun strap in folks and um, fresh off his new BFF that we've managed to set up so 90s as well he's a journalist and uh, blogger author writer for many things called the sportsman uh, matthew chris man united fan and now best friend with elton wellsby uh, well yeah i'd like to think so yeah and uh, don't you think wednesdays are the new tuesdays eh well it could be on mondays there's whatever we can fit it in that's that's yeah. as long as they get their slice of 90s action but we're not alone tonight. We're not alone. It's not the three of us. We've got an additional voice to help us along the way. Long-time listener and supporter of the show. Big Fulham fan, so he's going to help us out with the Keegan shenanigans at the end of the decade. And he's got a big week ahead of us as well. He's going to tell us about it. Uh, Lee Adams, welcome to the show, Lee. Ash, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I don't. The voices are just... I love it. I'm, I'm in awe of all three of you. I'm very proud to be here at the moment. Oh, that's very kind of you guys. That's nice to hear, isn't it? I'm yeah. blushing. I'm oh, blushing. Yeah. Oh, it does. It takes. It takes a lot to make Joel blush as well. Trust me. So <laughs> you've done. You've done well there. Um, well, as you're a first time guest, we don't. We've never done this before on this on this week in the '90s. We can do a good old old-fashioned retro football 90s CV as we used to do in the old days when we had first guests on. So before we get on to this week in the 90s, a quick chat about Fulham and then we'll talk about um, your, your busy week next week as well, Lee. Um, so Fulham, we haven't talked much about them on this show in its entirety actually. So who was your favourite Fulham player of the 90s? It's, it's got to be Mr Barry Hells is a good, good friend of mine. Um, we go out drinking quite a lot, me and Barry. Um, absolutely adored his passion adored who he was is later 90s um mm. i got into a bit like yourselves i got into football probably euro 96 that's i was about 13 years old when that when that happened and i think that changed everything for football as a whole and obviously supporting fulham my dad was a chelsea supporter so we go fulham and chelsea Ooh. respectively um yes i know <laughs> always look out for fulham my dad said to me and then subsequently i followed him but um as I said earlier, my, my probably my favourite player, two favourite players were Jan Franco Zola, who was a gentleman and an absolute class player playing football. Um, really wanted to be like him. And then obviously following Fulham was definitely um, Barry Hales in the later 90s because he was an ox. He wanted to be, he was constantly like violent, not violent, but passionate up front. He always wanted to win the ball. He always held the ball up and... I, I just found him just an absolute pleasure to watch, and obviously knowing him now is is it's amazing to to class him as a pal now. What's he doing? Have you seen this? Seen this? That he's still playing, and he's playing for Windsor. And me and my son go. Old, me and my son went. Me and my sorry, <laughs> me and my son go to see him quite often, and I bought my son the shirt. Yeah, it's class. It's class. It has to be done. I find it Windsor, obviously, with the Union Jack and everything. I, I just thought it was just so different. Uh, being a shirt fan myself, um, massive oh, shirt fan. 
Yeah, you were, we surely wish to bring Ash in on this one. Well, no, not, I, mean, I don't. I've got no problem with the green shirt. I, I didn't realise we still. I just let seen it myself. He's still playing for Windsor at thirty-five years old, as you said there, Joe. Yeah. That's uh, fair they're play to the tonight. man. Oh, they're playing tonight as well. Okay. Yeah, they're one nil up at the moment. Well, the, so clearly the bigger game than whatever's happening in Munich that Matthew's watching at the moment as well. Then so <laughs> um, <laughs> you it's finished now, by the way. Is it? Fin- oh, is it finished? Is it finished two one. We're, yeah. we're, we're dating yeah. the podcast as, as well. Well, I've, I haven't. I haven't mentioned your picture actually, Matthew. You put on Twitter. You've got about sixteen drinks in front of you as well, haven't you? It was like I've raided a mini bar from a, from a hotel room, isn't it? It's, um, oh, I just, I just fancied a bit of variation. Uh, bit of with it, yeah, with it being the new uh, Wednesday, being the new Tuesday, I thought a couple of a beer and a couple of different bottles of wine. So uh, uh, small bottles. I'm hasten to add for anyone that hasn't seen the picture. They're only, uh, they're only the small ones that you get on a on a domestic flight. But um, yeah, Is that where you nab them from. Yeah, put one in each pocket and then claimed that I hadn't been hadn't been served one, and uh, they brought me another. So kids, that old trick. Kids be warned. You can't do that now. It starts with get... pear cider, and then it it merges on to, to vino <laughs> and beer. That's how it that's how it starts. It's never classy stuff, is it? I no. Disparage Tesco pear cider or the wine you can see on airplanes, but. I worry about you, Matthew. <laughs> That's what happens living in Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stay classy, Merseyside. Stay classy. <laughs> if you're a Manchester United fan living in uh, living in Liverpool, yeah, I've hit the I've hit the bottle with what's happened uh, yeah. the last few weeks. So. <laughs> okay. uh, you mentioned uh, go, going back, Lee, to then your CV. Um, you mentioned Zola. You also mentioned me on Twitter. You mentioned Gaza as well, which I'm, again will please Joel. Um, but he's someone you admired in the nineties as well. A massive, a massive fan of Gaza. I think probably my earliest football memory was um, the World Cup ninety. Yeah, with with Gaza with England. <clears throat> I I still look at that shirt now, and I look at it regardless of the number nineteen on the back, as as you spoke about a lot about the number nineteen. Um, I I just picture Gaza in it. Um, I find him an interesting character. I find his football was just different class and obviously his antics and everything really brought to me what football is all about um, in the sense that he had the skill, he had the passion, he had so much passion. He was led down the wrong path. But I, definitely my hero, my hero out of all heroes was definitely uh, Gaza. Mm-hmm. And seeing him play when he come down to Fulham against Fulham Everton when he's playing for Everton, I generally didn't watch where the ball was going. I just watched Gaza, and just just watching him alone was just unbelievable. And obviously, I was taken back like you do when I listen to your podcast while training and walking and doing madness that I need to do. I listen to you a lot, and you take me back to a great place where in the nineties life was good, life was fun. And obviously what we're going to speak about later on, um, you'll hear a lot about that. But um, it takes me back and you constantly make me smile, likewise <laughs> Gaza did. And I, I, you take me back to a great place in life. And regardless, because obviously my dad's a Chelsea supporter, so we went to Chelsea quite a lot with uh, Furlong, Jakob Kilberg, Erlen Janssen, Doug. The world his mother we went to non-league as well because we had a family member that played non-league so we went there as well when it was kind of like taking me back to an era that i kind of miss i wish i could go back to that era and appreciate a lot more than what i do now it was amazing time the 90s was to me the best time in in my life definitely well, and you, I you could it. have said it better, Lee. That's why we've got you on. That's why this, <laughs> that's why we're all here because we all agree. We like this passion. Like yeah, passion. I don't think I've ever been compared to Gaza before, <laughs> apart from perhaps in the drinking race. I was about to say, I'm yeah. 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 <laughs> I, think, I think you might be after tonight's podcast. Yeah. Um, well, as you said, Lee, we'll, we'll talk about um, your charity. Well, we'll talk about that uh, in, at the end of the podcast. But it's a great thing you're doing. But that's that's crack on with this week um, yep. in the 90s first of all why we're usually all here on a whatever night we're doing it Matthew, <laughs> yes. before you say it again um, with it'll week, be last week in the 90s yeah it will be if we carry on like this it, will <laughs> be, yeah. it might be next week because I'm moving and I don't know what happens with broadband and sky it depends when they decide to turn up that's just a, a warning in advance that it might be last week in the 90s come the end of next week but we'll get to that keep the eye on the Twitter feed at AK90s um, the first thing we're going to talk about tonight uh, 26th of April 1993 it's a lot of managers tonight and this is where we kick off um, end of an era and this I think will please Matthew and Joe a bit because we can talk a little bit 80s because this happened in 93 it's Brian Clough old big Ed himself 
He announces his retirement two games before the end of the season. It had been muted. People expected that this was going to be his last season. But his official announcement came on the 26th of April. Um, it wasn't a great season for Forest, as they know. They finished bottom of the league. They were relegated uh, with two games to spare. The, the final two games was a 2-0 defeat to Sheffield United and then a 2-1 defeat to Ipswich, uh, where uh, Nigel Clough scored the last goal of his reign, which was a nice sort of end to, to that. Um, Matthew, coming to you first. Sad end for Brian Clough, but I mean... We, hasn't, we haven't spoken too much about him because he's more of an 80s and 70s figure but even in the early 90s he was still revered as, as one of the greats wasn't he yeah I think I'll probably end up getting two yellow cards here from mentioning 70s and 80s and not keeping it 90s but I, think, I can let you so, off for uh, Brian Clough yeah okay. but I think to understand what a great manager he was I think you almost do have to go back to those to those days because if you only followed football in the in the 90s or the mid 90s you'd only really know him for a a sad shadow of himself, really. I mean, you've got to remember what he did for Forrest, um, took over a second division, middle-bottom middle, middle bottom second division team in Forrest, got them promoted, won the league in the first attempt, won the European Cup at the first attempt, and then defended it again. You know, I mean, it's just... I mean, personally, I think it's the greatest story in football. I just rest of might disagree. But um, And then throughout the 80s, I know Forrest didn't, didn't do a lot domestically in the 80s. He never won the FA Cup, obviously, but um, and he, he was always up against a decent Liverpool side at the time. But the Forest were always a, a good team in that in the in the mid late 80s. They're always a, what you'd call now, I suppose, a top four side. And um, I think they were everybody's everybody's second team. I seem to remember. Yeah, especially well, I suppose if you didn't get in Borough, where obviously Brian Clough is from, um, and he was Forest always seemed to be everybody's second team where I was because the, the sort of the way they played the game and I think unless you were a direct uh, like like you were a Derby County even though obviously they had their own reasons for loving Clough um, but unless you were a direct rival of Forest, I think they were that kind of second team a lot of that time yeah and like, like you say fair play and has, you know what he did at Derby as well everyone talks about Forest, but don't forget he uh, pretty much did the same at Derby County as well so it just goes to show show the uh Abilities of, of the man, really, and uh, like you say, it is, yeah, just Lee's blotted the, the copybook, really. But um, but it was a bit of a sad end, wasn't it? I mean, we all remember the, the sort of scenes of uh, it was Sheffield United, wasn't it, on the last game of the season when Forrest yeah. went down? Yeah, Clough was there in a he didn't look in great health. Um, the, the green jumper, the green classic, jumper, green classic, jumper yeah. Yeah. classic green jumper, and uh, and quite a red face as well, from, from what I remember. But um, it was a sad end, and I think. In a week that we've been talking about Arsene Wenger and paying paying now sort of respects to him, I think it's you know it just goes to show that sometimes in football you need to leave at the right time because with Clough, it, I hope it hasn't tarnished his reputation. I, I know it hasn't, but um, it, it was just a bit of a sad end really for a for, for the club and for him really. I think because Forest were, I don't think they really deserved that because even in the nineties or the Premier League era that we're, we're talking about here, they were still a still a good team. Forest compared to the situation they find themselves in now but, well they um, were as Joe says their second team in the, this was after Clough but I used to love, they were my kind of second team in the 90s I love that team with I mentioned it before Brian Roy and Steve Stone and Ian Wone and Collie Moore, Collie Moore and, of yeah. course Colin Cooper and all that I mean even this team um, even if they started the season on fire because they Teddy Sheringham scored the first Super Sunday goal um, at the City Ground when they beat Liverpool one 0 but he was sold to Tottenham and that was probably the catalyst to, to they never really replaced his goals but um, also, what he'd also tried to do, Ash, at that time, Clough had tried to buy Collymore and was kind of stopped from doing it by the squad. I think he, I think it was Frank Clark who bought him in the end. Who, who yeah, came it was, in yeah. Next, and he was, but it, I know it was, it, and it was, it, it's talked about as one of these decisions where it's like the board didn't completely trust Clough or Clough didn't trust like his own judgment on the player, which sounds hard to believe when it's six foot four, banging him in for fun, Stan Collymore. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, it's just it was one of those things, you know. And when that level of trust's gone, and he clearly, you know, the game had passed him by in a in a lot of respects, you know, and he was getting by on a joke and a quip. But he was probably hanging on to win that FA Cup, which mm. was the only the only uh, competition that eluded him really. Mm. Lee, you're, you're... Probably that was why he was given probably a few more years. And really, if he'd gone after that ninety-one Cup final, then nobody could have really complained. Mm. Yeah, remember that was all about him, wasn't it? Lee, you're a kit man like me. Um, do you remember the Nottingham Forest kit from that season? Because that's one of my favourites, the pinstripe one. Do you remember that yeah. one? Is that up there yeah. one of your kit favourite kits? 
I, I it had the um, the alcohol um, yeah, shrimps shrimpstons I think or the bats yes. was it ships ships yes. ships yes it was yeah. it was but I remember going up to Nottingham Forest we used to play for a, a football team that played Nottingham Forest every year um, if Chelsea went up there we'd play the Nottingham Forest youth team and then likewise when Forest come to Chelsea we would play their youth team there and we went up there it was 1991 I just had to Google it and. Chelsea lost 7-0. Oh, yeah. I think someone tweeted that this week, actually. Yeah, saying that. Go on. I was at that game. And I'll dig out. I'll dig out. I've got the the match ticket somewhere. I'll dig it out and I'll tweet it to you. And bearing in mind, we were in a Nottingham Forest end. And obviously, there's a load of kids there, obviously, playing the, the game prior to this game. And it was just the most... I think it's Frank Sinclair's first Chelsea game. If I remember rightly, but David Besson was just hopeless. Is that the one where he let slip for his arms and things like? Because he had, he had a lot of some mistakes that season. There's a compilation video yeah. going around somewhere of him doing all the mistakes. Yeah, Norwich at home. Yeah. There was just so many during the season, but that was probably the most surreal thing. I think Stuart Pearce got two, and by the seventh goal, all the kids, all of us lot, were jumping up. By the the sixth goal, we're all jumping up, jumping around, just going, "Yay! This football! Come on, we're." Probably 91, <laughs> I was, what, 8-9. We were all jumping around and going crazy. But yeah, Brian Clough will always... That will always remind me of Brian Clough and also... the the, the Who was a fan? Obviously, it was not the Forest fans that jumped on the pitch. And he started to swing at someone. Wasn't that against uh, QPR? I know, that, what a lovely was, segue for me, Lee, because I was about to say my, uh, my two memories of Brian Clough are QPR related. Sorry. One of them is that, yeah. No, it was brilliant because I was about to say it. It's that, yeah, he, he had a swing at a QPR fan. Yeah. Well, he didn't just have a swing. He he had, didn't he, he clip him around the ear? I can't, was it a Loftus Road? I'm pretty sure it was a Loftus Road as well. No, But I, didn't the yeah. fan have to apologise? Yeah, yeah, that's the story. Because yeah. he got punched in the head. Brian Clough's punched him or slapped him or whatever and the fan come out and apologised to him I think they did some kind of make, public makeup, didn't they didn't yeah, yeah they did I yeah. seem to remember some awkward and, yeah. awkward clip of Clough sort of yeah, I'd, 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 didn't what, he kiss him on the cheek or something kiss him on the cheek I'd, I'd sooner have that than the nonsense <laughs> that we would get now in the paper yeah. and the scandal that would go on and the 24 oh, hour rolling news coverage of it on Sky Sports News I'd yeah. sooner have it be dealt with in a sort of semi-sensible way although I bet the lad is kicking himself now that he didn't sue the estate for all his work <laughs> <laughs> he did he did he did get punished for that though I think Clark, didn't he get a touchline ban because I remember yeah, yeah I remember that season United had Forest in the cup quarter final and Clough was banned from the touchline and sat and watched it in the main stand and I was in the front of that stand and you could hear Clough yelling and shouting instructions from the back of the main stand I don't know whether it was because, <laughs> because of that incident but I'm sure he did get some kind of um punishment for it but like you say it really was five thousand pounds fine and yeah. a uh, and a ban so there you go yeah yeah a, after a fight it was a nottingham forest fan after a 5-2 win over qpr that's why i don't remember it because it was obviously such a memorable result for rangers as per usual um there's a great moment though in um the damned united which is obviously the book that's um based on uh, the film that's based on the book um i don't know if you guys remember it, it stands out it's obviously i'm not keeping it 90s myself there and he he's the the quote is something like oh how do you stop qpr brian and he says martin sheen the actor I want to to stop QBR, stop stand balls, which way it makes me, uh, makes me sick. <laughs> was that Larry Grace? Yeah, I can't do impressions. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a brief picture, I'm not, I'm not trying to work out. So. Um, yeah. That was awful. Missing the target from there, Ashley, you want shooting. Well, yeah, yeah you go. you've got the accent, so you can do it, yeah. Well, I'm, well, he was, I take, well, he was born around the corner from me. So, yeah, but you know. just, just wasn't as camp. No, exactly. I, I can't, I've yeah, got to camp yeah, that's, it up. That's the thing. Come on, it's me. That's, that's what I do. That's what I do. Anyway, um, that, just sum up, he's a little bit of 90s silverware. He did win a League Cup and the good old ZDS Cup that Nottingham Forest won in 1992 before this was the, the end of the Clough reign. We do talk about that season. We had Matt Davis, who's a big Forest fan. Uh, he's a friend of the show, part of the WWGP podcast with myself as well. Um, go back into the archive and listen to that. Um, in all, he won one league, four League Cups and two European Cups for Nottingham Forest. 994 games in charge with a winning percentage of 46%, which I think is pretty decent. Wow. Which you think yeah. of, uh, over those games. So yeah, that was Brian Clough 
at Nottingham Forest. And that's, you got to remember, Ash, that's winning proper European games yeah. when there's none of this. You've got to win Agreed. every game or draw every game to go through. You can't be, you can't be getting beat. And yeah, beat and not, not just through. that, on muddy pitches and probably half hung over as well. Mm. As, as not, just deserves, forest, not, deserves, not just the forest, not just the forest players. Two, he deserves four European cups for doing it all pissed. Well, that's, <laughs> not just the, that's not just the forest players. Obviously, I'm sure Liverpool won it a few times after. A, yeah, I'm not. I'm guessing, obviously, but I don't think then it really mattered. I think players just went, went for it and. Uh, Rob certainly had shaky legs that night. We, yeah. Well, by the time the end, is, end of this podcast, Matthew will be pissed anyway, so we can, we can find out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to um, another manager, and we can talk a lot about him now because there's two different stories revolving around this man. Uh, Joel's head's going to explode because um, he's not the biggest Kevin Keegan fan. Um, I'm going to cool. do this in reverse day order, but not in year order, if that makes sense, because I'm going to go to the biggest story. Um, which is one of the biggest stories of the decade, one of the biggest stories of football in general, which is on 29th of April, 1996. I'd love it. It's the Keegan rant. I'm sure when this day hits, what day is that going to be? The 29th, it's that Sunday. It'll Sunday. Be, it'll be all over I've Twitter. I've got an article going about yeah, it on Sunday. Exactly, so you've got an article. I'm sure every 90s nostalgia Twitter feed will have the Pitley video. Me, Sid Lambert, 90s football, they're all doing it. So you're going to see it all over the weekend. Um, for those who, who don't unbelievably know about this um, and the history behind this rant, it was Newcastle Man United going head-to-head in the title race. Um, Alex Ferguson, the man of mind games, of course, we spoke. To, we mentioned that uh, yesterday's podcast on his Arsenal and his Japan-ness with Arsene Wenger. Um, they were going head-to-head. He was trying to wind up Kevin Keegan, did it very well. He accused Leeds that they would try harder against Man United because he thought that they would want Newcastle to win the league. He then accused Stuart Pearce of probably going easy on Newcastle because he had agreed to, for them to play in his testimonial at the end of the season, all while beating both of them quite comfortably as well. He beat Leeds 1-0 despite um, Lucas Radibi going in goal during that game as well, which I've forgotten about. Um, yeah. and they beat I was at that game. Oh, you were at that game. Um, yeah. Yeah, Roy Keane winner, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, about 70-odd minutes. Yeah, it looked like it was going to be one of those games where United were throwing the kitchen sink at them and um, it looked like it was going to be drop points, but then Keane crashed one in with a... It wasn't that late, but it was it was squeaky bum time, shall we say. Mm. Well, I, saw, I once saw Lucas Radderby on stage with Nelson Mandela. <laughs> That's um, random. Well, it is random, but I suppose there is obviously the, the big connection with South Africa. But yeah, absolutely yeah. true. In Leeds as well. When I lived in Leeds, we went down to Nelson Mandela Square. In fact, I've got the story online, and I will send it to you to tweet out. But um, we went there to see uh, Nelson Mandela, and, and Lucas Radebe was there, and all these kids were there, like doing African dancing, and Lady Smith Black Bambas over there, and. Um, Mandela promptly walked out onto the stage in the middle of Leeds, 10,000 people on a Tuesday morning, came up to the microphone and went, Hello, Liverpool! Oh, no. <laughs> the whole place went silent. <laughs> Apart from me, I went, Oh, dear. It was probably thumped in the back about eight times. For sort of like, it was kind of like a real Emperor's View Clothes moment. But that was in 2001, so unfortunately, that doesn't, that, telling that full story doesn't fall under the ring. Oh, no, it's, it was well worth it, though. Oh, damn. Poor, 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 poor old Nelson Mandela. The best thing was, we went back to work. We went back to work on the afternoon, and our boss, who was like the most left-wing woman you've ever met in your life, she was like, oh, I hope they don't mention this in the press because that would be terrible. And he is an old man. And then the Yorkshire Evening Post comes round at like half past four and just in massive 72-point print, hello, Liverpool. Oh, <laughs> slammed the paper down on the desk and went, well, the shit. And stormed out the office. And she never came back for three days. I have never <laughs> That's a, Why don't I know? That is a brilliant, brilliant story. That is brilliant. Isn't the, the Kaiser Chiefs are called Kaiser Chiefs because of Lucas Radibi, aren't they? That's the reason, because they're yeah, all Leeds yeah, fans as well, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. I didn't think we'd talk yeah. that much about Lucas Radibi tonight, but yeah. Um, anyway, going back to the rant, <laughs> United beat Forest 5-0, um, and then the, the night after, Newcastle beat Leeds 1-0 on Sky, uh, thanks to a Keith Gillespie goal, a quite hard-fought victory. And then it happened. In the post-match uh, interview, Kevin Keegan, he's let his emotions out, he let Alex Ferguson get to him um, and he's you know the amongst the many quotes obviously the famous one is I'd love it if we beat them but he mentions I've stayed quiet now and you say this about a man about Stuart Pearce we all know what happened we all know the quotes but what do we remember about it um, Joel go on get it off your chest you probably love well, this well the stupidest you? bit the, the really stupidest bit from Keegan was the line he's got the go to Middlesbrough that was the stupidest thing he could have possibly said because not only were Borough managed by Brian Robson at that point but there was probably only Borough fans and Sunderland fans that didn't want Newcastle to win the league. <laughs> United couldn't have come to a better place that day. Um, 
I, I don't know whether I mentioned this before, but Brian Robson, Alan Miller had been playing in goal for us and been playing really, really, really well. And then Brian Robson decided to drop him in favour of Gary Walsh, former Manchester United <laughs> man, Gary Walsh, prone oh, yeah. to a clanger or 12, because, and the quote was brilliant, because it would be nice. And I just went, we're throwing this game. We're doing everything but throwing this game. Keegan, this is everything that is wrong with Kevin Keegan this and we'll get to the other bit later on about England but just he's a man who as a manager and I'm not as a player we all know that he worked very hard he was considered too small you know and he worked hard and he busted a gut but ever since he got went to Newcastle as a player and got lifted off the pitch on a helicopter you know he's like so ridiculous I would say that Hamburg probably changed his mindset wouldn't you well probably keeping it 70s yeah Far too much of that he, tonight. You know, then he's, <laughs> but he's just—he's—he's <laughs> he's a man that, as a manager, was given everything he could ever possibly want, and then when he was threatened with not getting what he wants, he would throw a paddy and he would have a hissy fit and he would lock himself in a toilet in Wembley, which we'll talk about in a bit. You know, he would do all these things. He threatened to walk out of Newcastle loads of times because he wasn't getting what he wanted. And it's that that I don't like about Keegan, regardless of the fact that <coughs> my Time Tees television bias, that we were sh- had Newcastle shoved down our throats. Sunderland fans were saying thing. <laughs> but it was like King Kev, King Kev, because every single sports journalist at Time Tees was a Newcastle fan. And I knew that because like, I was starting my telly career, such as it is, at that point with them. So it was just like, you know, everybody else was seen as the thing. And Kevin Keegan, when he left, there was an hour and a half long documentary on Time Takers about him. Oh, I love and detest the man. <laughs> <laughs> and breathe. <laughs> release, release the pop record. Nobody's going to buy that, Kevin. But that's, that's what he's like. He's a spoiled brat of a manager. And he proved it over and over and over again. And, I, I, he's, and when he got appointed England manager, oh... God, yeah, we'll get yeah, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I'm just going to go get some sertraline. Yeah, now. you, you <laughs> calm down. We'll, we'll, you, you, we'll talk to you know when on. I um, when we saw the I saw the list of what we were going to talk about tonight. You're going to tell us you've driven his car now. That was Lucas Ridley's car. No, when I looked at the list of what we were going to talk about tonight, and there was no Middlesbrough on there, I thought, well, you know, Joel's going to have a quiet night, but. Um, Everything Obviously comes not. back to Borough. That is probably the tagline of, of <laughs> <laughs> Everything comes back to There's no media bias. No, on this it'll, go, show. it'll go quiet again, like because we're just at the point where everything was happening with Borough. You know, oh, and he, oh, just Keegan. Just oh, he just winds me up, and and he's not the hero that he is held up to be in the northeast in most people's eyes. But it's that sort of Newcastle blindness. You know, I think Newcastle is a brilliant city. I lived there for years. It's like really good fun, party, and people are sound. Until you mention that stupid football club that's up on top of a hill, you know, you go up Northumberland Street and it sort of towers over the town and everybody's just enraptured to it. Because in Newcastle, and I think it's the only city in the country that doesn't have another distraction. Yeah. Are you all falling asleep there? No, go on, carry on. <laughs> no, we're awake. Like yeah. Sheffield, there's two clubs. Leeds, you've got the rugby. Hull, you've got the rugby and the football. Manchester, obviously, there's all sorts. Of, but in Newcastle, there's only Newcastle United and everybody's transfixed by it, and you know, like it's godlike Newcastle United. And to be honest, they haven't done anything for sixty years. Isn't there like Newcastle Falcons? Aren't they something? Don't they do something? Yeah, but people don't go. Well, because that's what John Hall wanted to do. He wanted to the Newcastle basketball team. He wanted to make all these sports teams, like the Barcelona example. But you know, they they weren't interested. They just wanted to go to football. People, you know, a few went the ice hockey, a few went the rugby. Blah, blah, blah. They didn't care. They wanted to go to the football and that was it. And anything else was a distraction. But they didn't want the distraction. Now, you can say that makes a, a strength for the club. Uh, and it, you know what? It probably does. It being a sort of a one huge metropolis area. But, uh, but Do you know what? I thought this season was panning out badly for me with City winning the league and uh, Liverpool winning the European Cup. If we're still doing this show in a few years' time and Newcastle win the Premier League... <laughs> And the European Cup. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to hear. And with you know, Kevin I'll Keegan as manager. I'll be very I'll be relieved, that's that's a a there. 
I'll be really relieved I don't live up there. And anyway, this is a good week to talk to me because Sunderland got relegated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you, you you dine out on that for a second. Um, before we go to Matthew and get the Man United point of view, Lee, what do you remember uh, of this rant? I mean, I, as a neutral like you, I thought I loved it because I thought it was brilliant, showing passion. It's something you don't see much from a from at that point. I know I can see Joel's point of view, and I kind of agree with it in in later days. But at the time, it was such a you must see moment, wasn't it, Lee? Oh, massively, massively must-see moment. It was, you're watching it, obviously you don't have, like Joel said, you don't have a 24-hour news roll now. Back then it was just literally, you saw it, you absorbed it, and it was like, wow, I don't believe what, what's going on. And obviously everybody knows what's happening with the league and everything. And when he come out with, I love it, I love it. And you could see the passion inside him. Um, I, I was just blown away. I was like, wow. Gee, and like Dad was like, Oh, I used to have my hair like him in a perm and all that back in the day and everything. It's bald now, but um, uh, I, I what my my memories of Kevin Keegan was coming to Fulham in ninety seven, mm-hmm. taking over from um, Ray Wilkins. Uh, you know, Ray Wilkins done a great job at Fulham, but Keegan coming in literally just changed everything. It was Mohamed Al Fayed taking over, and things just massively changed for the club, and we went onwards and upwards uh, I don't think we kind of looked back until McGaff took over recently and then we're back down but mm. I think that was the spearhead of everything oh for sure um, well, and we'll talk more about that in just a second and, and, he's, and the end of Fulham uh, but let's just get the Man United point of view of, from this I mean Matthew yeah. was this the moment that Man United and Ferguson won that title race you knew that he'd got him well, I suppose in hindsight you'd say you would, but if you look at the league at the time, United had beaten Forest, hadn't they, 5 0 on that Sunday. I remember being at that game, and I have to say, I had one of the worst hangovers I'd ever had in my life. <laughs> um, and it was, I remember United players doing a, like a go, because it was the last home game of the season, so they did like a sort of, not a lap of honour, but they walked around the pitch to thank the fans. It was almost a sort of resigned thanks we've given it our best shot so there was nothing celebratory about it at all because Forrest had a game essentially had a game in hand didn't they so having beaten Leeds in this game if they'd beaten Forrest they would have gone to the last game of the season with it in their hands so everyone says oh everyone knew that um, Newcastle lost it I'm not sure that's entirely true because if they'd won that game with Forrest which they probably should have done then we wouldn't be having this conversation but I'm not sure I think Joel's Sort of knock me off my, my course here because I've always I remember I remember when we had this conversation when I was on the ninety five six uh, podcast when we did the went back through the years I I quite like this I quite I remember thinking at the time or still even now watching it thinking I think it's great seeing a manager do that I know it's slightly sad and a bit he lost his cool but I, I think if you if your manager did that live on television it would give you a bit of a you think yeah good on you um and the funny thing about it is if you watch the whole uh, sort of interview a whole section which is hard to find out because i was looking for it the other day for the for the piece i'm doing and i think a lot of them are gone but it, there's quite a lot of build-up to it and he's and he's he's very composed and he's quite um you know he's he's he's, he's having a good discussion with keys and gray in the studio and then he suddenly flips he has that a tantrum or rant or whatever you want to call it and then they carry it's not like the uh, classic Ron Atkinson one where he storms yeah. off at the end of it he throws <laughs> the headphones and then yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he's got the in, in the nose that was a classic but he, he actually recomposes himself and then almost has a bit of a laugh about it uh, himself and then they carry on chatting for a couple couple of minutes I mean I know it probably does say a lot about the, the man and he's obviously got his weaknesses as, as a manager and, and what have you but purely from a human being point of view and taking aside taking a out of it what Joel thinks of him as a guy in Newcastle as a, a club I, I haven't got a big an issue about it as a lot of people have I think they always said about Keegan as a player that he was 100% passion and he was a trier and everything he, he, he just never let you down on the pitch or off it and I think that that came across in that clip and I don't whether that's a good thing or a bad thing as a, as a manager probably a bad thing but as a man, I, I don't know. I suppose you'd have to uh, get a Newcastle fan on to, to talk about it, but um, it's easy to take the piss. But I don't know. I, I think um, I don't know. I can see. I can see both sides of it. I can see how you'd say, "What are you doing?" But the funny thing is about it. It's it almost it hasn't set a precedent because it was twenty odd years ago. But the after match 
interview now is a lot more like that than it used to be. I mean, it's not as it's not as um, stagnant, as, as obvious, yeah. obvious and, and as. Uh, but you know, you, you see Klopp make his barbed points. You yeah, see Mourinho yeah, make his yeah. barbed. They, they all seem to do it. They've obviously taken a, a, a bit of a breath and thought, "Well, you should not do." Well, yeah, Ian yeah, Holloway is I mean, one of them. So you can say that well, about Ian Holloway. Well, I, was, I was making a legitimate <laughs> point that Roy Hodgson one where he kicks off but it's suddenly a Yeah, I mean, they've they all they've all done it and there's clips of, I don't know if you saw the piece, the uh, documentary about Wenger and Ferguson, mm. but there's there's one where uh, Ferguson has a go at John Motson and storms off. And I don't think it's as rare as as people think it, it was, but obviously at the time Sky were live and there was that exposure that you never had. You know, match of the day, post-match interviews were all recorded and, and edited and what have you but if you watch football now they, they pretty much get the get the manager out what five ten minutes after the game and they do see they're pretty much obviously no one's yelled and, and sort of pointed like that to that extent but there have been a few where you think whoa you know it wouldn't surprise me if it happened again but I don't know I'm beat, beating around the bush I suppose but I don't see that as I don't look at that and think any worse of a of the man Kevin Keegan were doing that, but I've got no vested interest in it. You, you know, United in the league. Yeah. Were you, were you at the? Were you at the last game? I would play. I didn't. No, I didn't go to the Middlesbrough game. No, I've been to the, the last home game. I didn't go to the away game. That was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, by all accounts, it was because that, that, if you remember that day, what was really <laughs> funny is that loads of Borough fans had sold their season tickets. Like, look, because it was the last game, so it didn't matter. So the, and I don't know how they'd sold them, because eBay wasn't a thing. I don't know whether they posted it on Man United board. But they just got, got outside. Yeah, well, well, maybe. Because we got there, and where there was the four lads who we chatted to sat in front of us at the game. It was like four completely different lads looking very nervous and pensive. And I sort of leant over and went, went you all right, lads? So you look a bit different from last week. And they sort of looked at me and they went, what do you reckon the Borough's back line today? And they looked at me and they went, don't worry, we want Manchester United to win. And then everybody, <laughs> and everybody around, like, who was United fans, sort of thought they were coming into enemy territory. It's like, oh, you've got the best place in the world. You know, I remember yeah, it, 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 the third goal. <laughs> it was it, it was the uh, the perfect storm, really. And to, also on that day, and this isn't a, a dig at all, but do you remember... Liverpool played City and went down on that day as well. Yeah, yeah. Thought, a draw, thought a draw was good enough. The Alan Ball ex-Espigade, yeah. 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 yeah, so I remember watching that all unfold and uh, it, I remember thinking this is this is like the perfect storm. But We were all quite happy because Gary Pallister as well, more than anything. You know, I think I think the biggest the biggest cheer for lifting up the Premier League trophy was for Pallister <laughs> and then probably Cantona after that, who everybody yeah. sort think, of liked. Everybody, but I, I won't forget that day. It was wonderful. Yeah, like you say, it probably was the easiest away fixture you could have. Even though New- Newcastle fluffed their lines, didn't they? You drew with them, Tottenham. Tottenham. Tottenham yeah. So it didn't really matter anyway. But I mean, if if they'd had to go to Anfield, or you know, we all remember when United went to Anfield and blew the league. When if they were, or if they'd had to go to West Ham, another uh, game I was at and cried massively afterwards. But but yeah, Middlesbrough away. Yeah, like you yeah. say, I Gary mean, it, Walsh, it, was, it was really it was easier than Sunderland because you had such, such a Manchester United man, yeah. <laughs> and after Manchester United team playing, <laughs> <laughs> look at the evil laugh. Hear the evil laugh from Joel Young there, right? Unfortunately, we're sticking with Kevin Keegan, um, which is much to not pleasure to some people's ears. But this is going to England now, and we're going to start with Lee because this is going on from your Fulham point because. In the 28th of April 1999, England drew 1-1 with Hungary. And at this point, Kevin Keegan was part-time England manager, having taken over from Glenn Hoddle after all that mess with what he said in the newspapers, which we've covered before. He initially decided that he'd come on a part-time contract um, with four games in charge. Uh, he announced after this game, however, that it would be a permanent deal. He would be leaving Fulham. Um, so, Lee, coming to you first, how did you feel at the time when he took it part-time? And then it was kind of obvious it would, it would happen, but... How did you feel about that? And in in the mix of this, you got promoted as well, so it must have been sort of a varied feelings. Uh, yeah, massively. Bearing in mind we're a Division Two side, we we've got a big backer in Mohamed Al Fayed. We got not King Kev, but Kevin Keegan um, as our manager. Obviously, his name synonymous with football, and obviously taking over the part-time job of England, we we were playing so well, um, and then taken over from Ray Wilkins um, we didn't get promoted in the playoffs against Grimsby 
but next season we done really well. Um, it, was it takes, like a record point haul or something? I not that season. I think it was season after. But mm. no, it was in the season after. Season after that, because Bracewell took over from Keegan. Brace, and that was just awful. That was bad times. But <laughs> uh, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, but but obviously taking over from England, I'm thinking to myself, I'm a Fulham fan. I've been kind of bullied at secondary school for having a Fulham shirt, and I've still got, like I said to you, Ash, I've still got the the yellow away shirt signed by Kevin Keegan. I've still got it in my collection, my vast collection of match worn shirts over the years with Fulham. Um, I. Obviously, second division Fulham, we kind of want to go up, but we didn't and missed out on the playoffs. And then Keegan goes on to be a uh, part-time England boss. And it was quite confusing being a young lad. Like, my team was small. Why are we, Why is he managing England? Mm. And getting, well, I was in my teenage years, I was like, why, what's he doing? He's either with us or he's not with us. And then subsequently he goes on to England. And then 2000, he, he bailed out after the last game against Germany at Wembley. Um, I, I was a little bit sad that a very good friend of mine, um, I'll send you the picture and you could tweet it out. Alexa and Iona, they had a flag, don't leave King Kev. <laughs> and it's literally on a bed sheet with um, stencils done and like Sharpies and everything. It is, it's, it's a superb picture, a proper 90s picture. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's we'll send tweet it, it out. I've got how, how, long had he, how long had he been at Fulham for when he left for England? If you, what was it, a couple of years? It was a season and a half. Two and a half years, yeah, I think. A season and a half, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, so, he'd come yeah. in September. And yeah. In that time, did he, he sort of really won everyone over there, did he? I mean, aside from what Joel thinks of the guy, I mean, <laughs> he obviously had no connection with, with Fulham, really. So when he came to the club, did he win everybody over and everyone completely I think, brought yeah. into yeah, bearing in mind, we had early 90s, it was like static Fulham, there was nothing going on. It was just a team that existed in the league and then obviously lowered down the season as in like 91, 92. There was problems within the club in the sense that we could go out of the league totally. So we go, what is it now, nationwide or non-league. Panorama um, Conference. Yeah. 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 It was Voxel Conference at the time. Yeah. Voxel, Voxel. Yeah. I'm getting confused with my dates and everything. But um, him coming in was a massive impact, and obviously we signed a, a quite a lot of players. And obviously Mohamed Al Fayed put his money where his mouth was. Uh, probably the first foreign investor in football, I would say, in this country. Um, signing, what was it, 1990? When did? 90, when did uh, Blackburn win the league? 90, 95. 95. Yeah. We signed Chris Coleman season after that. So Chris Coleman signed, perfectly fit, eligible young man, Welsh international, has gone to Division 2 to play for Fulham. He's signed from the champions down to Division 2. You would never see that no more. That's got to so, be that's got to be really, really, really exciting. Regardless, of, you know, I can I can see it as as a neutral, why that would just be like all your Christmases have come up once as a fan of, you know, you, you said yourself there, the team wasn't doing much sort of, you know, div- division, it'll have been called, what, division two then or whatever. Um, yeah. But sort of third third tier sloggers and not really, you know, never really troubling the playoffs much. And then all of a sudden you get this, one of the most infamous multi-millionaires in the country. And then yeah. accompanied by the guy who's nearly won the league the year before. So that's got to just blow your mind, you know? That's got to be like, hold on, right? If I walk up, you know, am I alive? Are you pinching yourself? Who's no. your favourite signing of that time? Who's the one that made you the most excited? Because, you know, Chris Coleman, for all his for all his wonderful charms this week. Uh, <laughs> the 90s. Um, the 90s yeah. hero has to be Dirk Lanham, the German oh, yeah, star-looking yeah, yeah. legend. He's an absolute legend. And obviously, Brev, uh, Rufus, great lads. Well, I was going to come on to Rufus, actually, because the, the story I always... I, it pains me to say this, and I, I haven't mentioned the West London rivalry that's in the room, but <laughs> it's a very fun rivalry between QPR and Fulham. We just both hate Chelsea, didn't we? That's really the bottom line of it. Um, but and I would, we forget about Brentford. Yeah, Brentford yeah. Don't, 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 don't even exist. Well, this season... <laughs> and, you, and you share a ground on occasion. Yeah, we share... Yeah, less said of that for Fulham, the better. But I always remember when... Because Ruf, Rufus left... 
QPR for Fulham um, and he's been on the show yeah. and you can listen to it in the archive he says he wasn't sure at the time but what Keegan he's, he was sold it by Keegan actually said to him why don't you leave that small club down the road and join the big club up the road well you know I've spoke to Brev, another good friend of mine Brevet um, Rufus we, we talk a lot on WhatsApp and we've been out for a few drinks as well an absolute diamond yeah, of a geezer we, yeah he's a lovely guy he's so down to earth but it, it, and like loved him playing and then obviously knowing him later on he's a that great superb i i loved watching him play he played with passion and he'd done a job he was an absolute class player uh we talk about a lot about uh, massively underrated we talk a lot about the 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 promotion season and when he started with fulham and everything and his dreadlocks (laughs) we just talk about everything yes 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 i'm trying to get him down to fulham but he's not answering my whatsapp messages so (laughs) And I think we'll have to have a word the, uh, the Forever Isles club at QPR last season, but they're inducting anyone yeah. who's even on the shirt at the moment, so it's not exactly the most <laughs> special. I think Chris Kawamia's going in there, which says a lot, actually. That's a blast from yeah, the past, isn't it? That's a 90s oh, name. When are, you getting, when are you getting your invite, Ash? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I must be, it must be next. <laughs> Rob Steiner, then me. That must be the, the order it must go in. So, um, uh, get back to it. Nickelbeck, then you. Nickelbeck. He won't answer my, he won't answer my <laughs> tweets, Nickelbeck. Although Tony Dorigo did yesterday. So, we're getting Tony Dorigo on the show very soon. So, um, right, talk, about, talk about his goal against us in the ZDS final. Always comes back. Oh, was that that game? Always comes back. There's a little fact. There's a fact about that game. I was at that game. The fact about that game is that was the first time Wembley Stadium had all seated in it. Well, the plastic bits that you call a seat. And I remember saying to my father, I need a drink. What is it? 89? Was it 89? 90? Yeah, 1990. Mm. 1990. I said to my father, um, Dad, I need a drink. And he's gone downstairs to the foyer. He's gone. He's come straight back up. He's gone. It's all kicking off down there. We can't. I, I'm not going to get you a drink. So subsequently, I'm numb. Thirsty, and I was I was a kid. It was the most amazing stadium ever, Wembley Stadium. That was yeah, superb. And I know who's got that shirt from that game. Oh, <laughs> so it's not Tony Dorigo himself. No, it's not Tony Dorigo. Have you got it? No, 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 no. I ain't got it. No, I know someone that has. Oh, there you go. Uh, I can't say this too much. This sounds like there's a story, but yeah. I'm not it. This, this sounds yeah. like an off-air off, off story. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the bottom of that. Um, going back to the England thing with Keegan then, um, let's, let's continue Joel's blowing his mind. What did you make of that, that period of Keegan's reign? I know the, the toilet you're talking about is when he decided to quit, but this was the point when he decided to make it a permanent move. Did you always see that coming? Joel was, you know, Keegan was never going to not become England manager properly, was he? I'll tell you what I thought at the time. I remember thinking there was a huge press campaign to get Keegan to take the job. I mean, it was ridiculous. I remember having sympathy for Fulham fans at the time going, I'd be saving if this was us. I'd be going absolutely mentally. Because I did, you know, because obviously for as much as I don't like him, I could see what he was doing at that club and what was going mm-hmm. on and what, what an impact he was given. You know what I mean? We just had different things. And the press campaign, which, you know, why I would never trust anything that you know the people want it's like it, it was meant to be this huge thing and anybody in the northeast even most newcastle fans with the sensible head i could have told you that it was going to end in tears at some point um but it was just this huge clamor to get him in he was obviously going to take the job it was obviously going to end in a disaster it just depended on when that was going to be i mean we'd seen his temperament and we'd seen what had happened but I did have a load of sympathy with um, them, and I knew he was going to take the job, and I knew it was going to be terrible, and, uh, you know, I'm not the sort of guy that says, I told you so. <laughs> oh, no. <Yeah. laughs> no. No one to bear a grudge, I No. That's a Bobby, that's a Bobby Heenan line there. That is a, right. definitely a Bobby Heenan line. Um, Matthew, just the last word on, on this uh, Keegan England, what, what were your thoughts at the time? Right man for the job? I mean, I, I know that's what the, the press wanted, but at that time, it felt like it was the, the right call after the Hoddle shenanigans. Yeah, I think with England managers, there's all, there's almost like a production line, isn't there? Yeah. It's almost, I mean, I going back to the beginning of the conversation when we were talking about Brian Clough, I mean, a man, if there's ever been a man to manage England, it was him, and he famously never got the got the chance. But there are certain characters that get it, come into the frame for the England manager's job, and, and Keegan was obviously one of those. He was a, a popular guy within the game, apart from, unless you talk to Joel. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He, yeah, they, they tick certain boxes, and I think you know, it's silly getting upset about it, saying he shouldn't have got it or he should. He, I think we all knew he was going to get it, like like Joel said. I think we all knew it wasn't going to really um, 
go very far. But I, I was personally, I was nonplussed about it. Really, I was. I, <laughs> I, 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 I do like the guy. I, I, you know, I, I don't know him, and I've had no real issue personally. He's, I, I've had no real issues with him, but um, I just thought he was the typical candidate. For, I mean, I'm just trying to think who would have been in the running. Then. I think because the Glenn Hoddle thing happened and it was such a shock and it kind of wasn't expected that the FA were thrown into a state of flux and I think Keegan had sort of gone, well, I'll take it part-time, but then he decided he really wanted it. He sort of was going to say, well, I won't do it for a bit. And then, you know, like when you name a ridiculous price to do a job and then they suddenly come back and go, all right, then we'll pay you that. And you go, oh, God, I'm stuck doing it now. And I think there was probably a bit of that with it. But realistically, who else was about it? Well, I wonder who was... The first foreign well, manager we couldn't have gone back to Venables well who would um, it have been do you think I mean who would have, if you had the Paddy Power then Capello was online. actually linked Capello was linked at the time funny yeah. enough I'm just trying to think who would be the top five candidates for that I mean obviously Keegan Howard Wilkinson well Wilkinson well, took over the it, who else was kicking he took around? over later on yeah. no he was in, he did the caretaker match between Hoddle and um, yeah. Keegan didn't he that late, uh, the France game Jerry Francis who was that sorry Wilkinson did the caretaker oh, yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. I think Jerry Francis I mean, would might have been around in a This might have been a mention. Yeah, I mean, I just I can't think who else would have been yeah. around. I'm trying to think of ex players off the top of my head. Peter Reid, maybe. Uh, I mean, he was doing well at Sunderland at the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe Alan Ball. <laughs> well, Alan Ball. Well, no. <laughs> oh, poor old Alan Ball. Southampton. Yeah. I think I think the interview process there would have basically been hello. My name's Kevin Keegan, and then would have, they would have got the job. I mean, that's, that seems to be how it... They did love their favourites, and they probably still do, don't they? But there was that thing with England um, England managers. It was basically, if your, name, if your face fits and you're, you're a name, then uh, I suppose the only, only one that would break that mould would be Graham Taylor. But usually it was, it was, it was nailed on, wasn't it, a, few, a good few months before they got the job. But they all knew who it was going to be. Just to tie a bow then on on that story, uh, Fulham did get promoted. Their first time they'd been outside the uh, the top, the, the the third tier since 1986. 14 points clear of Walsall in second place, believe it or not. Um, yeah. And then it, uh, Keegan went on obviously to manage England permanently until uh, the, the year after 2000, and obviously famously resigned after that Germany game in the toilet, which is what Joel was talking about at the beginning of the show. Oh, is that what yeah, he was talking that's about? that's what he's referring to. No, uh, I wasn't, yeah, no, no, I wasn't saying he was cottaging. I know he was at full. <laughs> I just wanted to go through the... Designed uh, in the toilet. Yeah, every, there's, there's, a, there's a big book in, I think, is it David Dean's book? Or David Davies' book about it. David Davies' former commentator who also yeah, ended up at the FA, yeah. And it's in his book about it, and it's just about, like... You know, Tony Adams and David Beckham are there crying with Kevin Keegan in a toilet cubicle in Wembley. It's so unbecoming. And mm. I, I understand why people say I like a bit of emotion, but I just it just felt like a cop out to me. And, you know, it was it was because he wasn't good enough Agreed. for the job. That's let's be honest. Kevin Keegan wasn't tactically announced ready for, for England. Uh, the end of the, day, the last thing I was going to do is look at the team. because I like to look at the team on that day where England drew 1-1 with Hungary. Quite eclectic mix. Um, I love this website because it gives them their full name. So as well as the usual suspects of David Seaman, Philip Neville, um, and Rio Ferdinand, Martin Keogh, Nicholas Butt. Never called him a Nicholas Butt. No, no, never heard that. Yeah, Timothy Sherwood. <laughs> um, good old Timothy Sherwood. Um, Alan Shearer. Kevin, Alan Shearer. Greg Gillette as he played. Probably Shearer and Phillips yeah. up front. That would be. I don't think they played too many games together up front. Kev, Alan Shearer and Kevin Phillips up front well, together. No, Steve McManaman. Uh, that sounds like you should have a half and half Newcastle. And yeah, it's a proper North East affair there. Uh, Jamie Carragher came off the bench. Uh, Michael Gray played in that game. Emil Heskey, Jamie Redknapp, and then unused substitutes. Nigel Martin, Michael Ball, not the singer, Frank Lampard, and Francis Jeffers. Good old Franny J. Fox and the Box. Jeffers, my yeah, God. There you go. So that's, that's England in 1999. So don't think too much. Well, yeah, and poor old Keegan got the rap for that. Yeah. Well, he picked the bloody team. Didn't he? So, good thing. <laughs> right. Uh, before, uh, you know, how many how many goals must Shearer and Phillips have got between them? I mean, fifty wouldn't be a wild overestimation. No, no, yeah. no, the perfect partnership. I mean, Phillips never scored for England and never really got his proper chance, did he? But as a partnership, they could have. It was a, it was a great time to be a striker, wasn't it? We've said that millions of times on this in the nineties. Massively. Know. So many good strikers around. Um, it probably but, wasn't a good time to be an England striker, really, if your ambitions were the team. 
with she right in front of you yeah yeah well yeah. it'd be a great time to be an English striker now wouldn't it because only Harry Kane's in your way and you did get a few games Jamie Vardy's the next option but that's not we're keeping it 90s and before we go and we wrap up this this week in the 90s Lee you I've got a massive week ahead of you um Tell us about this charity walk you're doing, uh, what it's an aid of. I know there's a hashtag, isn't there? Fulham to Reading Walk, isn't it? Is that the hashtag? And Fulham to Birmingham Walk as well. What's it all about and how's it going? Um, well, basically, the biggest killer in men under 45 is suicide in the mm. UK. Every day, uh, 12 men commit suicide. That's 84 a week. I've been campaigning for Calm which I'm sure a lot of people have heard about yep. with Project 84 recently. Uh, for the last three years, I've cycled up to Preston, I've cycled to Wigan, I've cycled to Peterborough and down to Brighton. I've walked to Reading twice and first time, di- well, second time this year up there and I challenged um, the Reading fans to walk back with me. Uh, on a national radio station and two people answered Johnny and Martin and three weeks ago we walked overnight from Reading to Fulham it took us 16 hours and wow. Oh, wow. 40, 47 miles they've done, they raised over £8,000 um, Johnny flew in from Ireland so massive respect to them, them boys but next Thursday I undertake probably my biggest task I'm walking with 10 Fulham fans from Fulham to Birmingham. Hopefully get there before Sunday's game, next Sunday's game. We leave on Thursday. All in aid of calm and the, the Birmingham City supporters have been absolutely phenomenal in this. They're all back in it and we've raised nigh on £5,000 before we set off so far. It's absolutely something that I believe in. I try to take my own life uh, eight years ago, well, nine years ago now. I want people to feel... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I want. I don't want people to feel the, the way that I felt back then. I want... I'm fighting for this because I believe in this. I believe that we've got a big problem in this country regarding male suicide. Hence the reason of me going excessive and trying to do things. Um, the support has been unbelievable. I'm going to try and get as many football clubs involved in this. Um, next season, Prostate Cancer is leaving the charity of the EFL and Mind is taking over. Mind is a, an umbrella charity of mental health. So you have different spokes from it and Calm's going to be under that. I truly believe that we can massively make a difference in helping men out. I don't care who you support, what you support. You know, like I said to you many a times, Joel, my favourite Middlesbrough shirt, well, my favourite shirt from the 90s has got to be the Middlesbrough shirt from 1997, 96, 97. The white one with... God, don't talk about this. They never won a game in it. (laughs) (laughs) The best shirt ever. I even got one. I still got my copy of it. I love it. I went up to Middlesbrough and got it. But uh, in all seriousness, I think that we should all start talking about men's mental health. Mm. It's it's something so personal to me. You know, I, I... uh, thankfully, I didn't take my own life. Um, I I want to make a difference now. I want to be somebody that my son can look at me and say, Dad, you actually made a difference. That's kind of who I am, what I am, and what I believe in. And walking 113 miles over four days is it's going to be a task. It's going to be harsh. It's going to be crazy. But there's going to be uploads of videos, and I'm more than willing to do phone calls and pre-recorded stuff and just get the message out the more people that talk the better i'm Mick, I'm, I just say I'm something. I've done, yeah. I, I, how many of these have i done Ash, 30 40 yeah loads yeah something. this is the first time i've cried oh there we go Cheers, you've mate. broken him <laughs> well done <laughs> Well done. Even thinking about Janino on the pitch at Ellen Road can't do that. <laughs> I wish you every... Hey, oh, Kevin Keegan. Where Kevin can people... Keegan. Hold on, we need to do the important stuff. Where can people give you some bloody money? I was getting to that, but yeah. <laughs> no, I always I'll jump get in, to that. I always I'll get in. to that. I'll get to that. I just want to say thank you to you three. Um, oh, we're, we're every, every... <laughs> nah, trust me, trust me. You've helped me out a lot. Um, you take me on a, a journey back to my life. I listen to every podcast you do every episode comes on my phone i literally download it instantly and the next morning i'm up at five o'clock and i'm walking and i listen to you and i just think to myself 
picture and I've got all these images of what you look like and, if, and then I see your faces and I'm like, right, oh, you look like that. <laughs> That's Joe, isn't it? Yeah. I couldn't imagine me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just think you take me back to a great time in my, my life, a great time where life was good. So to me, I personally thank you, Endeavour, like massive thanks to you. It's, you make me smile and definitely the biggest podcast on my phone is definitely you trust me i listen to you and just smile and it takes me back and i'm I'm happy with life and then obviously i take the earphones out and i'm like oh god not this shit again but (laughs) (laughs) you know and i'm at work and like life is life and doing operations and doing what i've got to do but I, i i truly believe that together we can do something positive and help each other out regardless whether you're a qpr support middlesbrough support man united support or living in liverpool we can all <laughs> help each other out and make a massive difference you know talk to your pals help each other out spread the word of calm and just just do something positive in life we have one shot at it and if we can save one person's life through this 130 mile walk then then to me that's all that matters that's well and well we're very proud that we've able to help in any way possible um lee so thank you very much for your kind words but we're in awe of you to be honest and what you're doing where as joe said where can we people give you the money because we need to know that link anyone listening it's a great great cause he's doing a great thing i can't even begin to think about walking down the road most days let alone because i'm a lazy kid i work from home not with your legs exactly exactly i work from home so getting up every day is probably as you know as active as i should as a chore, walking around my two-year-old is probably the only sort of exercise I get. So I admire what Her legs are probably about the same length as yours. All right, all right. <laughs> God, Keegan's really I just, wanted, I just wanted to hammer the point home. You know, that's me all over. Yeah. <laughs> Lee, where, 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 can people go? where can people go to donate money? Uh, just give in. It's hashtag Fulham to the number two uh Birmingham walk and it's it's let's make a difference let's do something positive and try to to help each other out and look after each other that's that's my whole purpose in this and I think football has a massive part to play in this you know we're all we're all 90s kids we all remember watching the 90s football and I think it's all nostalgia as you say and uh wax lyrical and so forth <laughs> okay to me it's it's all about we're old enough now, we're adults now, and this is a big problem. We need to address this on a highest level. If everybody starts talking about the problems and talking to each other, I think we can actually save lives. Uh, so this is my third year of doing things, and things have massively changed for me personally in opening up and talking about my problems. I know for a fact that I've saved, well, not saved, but I've put people in the right direction, I would say, and they've come up to me and thanked me and it's it's not about that it's about me getting the message out and making sure that people do not feel the way that i felt back then so i think we're doing well i think we're doing good we're halfway to our target of ten thousand pounds right. um, we, we got we want to get you to the, that target so hopefully everybody listening go donate um what is your twitter feed lee so people can get all the info on there as well can't they where can they find you on twitter you can find me on Twitter on at MatchWornShirt1 or on Instagram, Man on a Mission 2018. Um, I'm starting to get a little bit active on uh, Instagram where you can... I'll be doing live feeds from the walk mm. and yeah, people definitely. can enjoy it. I want people to see me suffer, basically. <laughs> That's you got to do course. that. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about. Well, good luck with the walk Thank um, you so definitely much. we'll have to get you back on afterwards so you can tell us how grueling it was but how brilliant it was at the same time because and i'd love to know I how long do. it takes you as well and uh, everyone who's getting involved and doing the walk with lee good luck hope hope everything goes well and it's, we admire you brilliant calls and everything um so thank you very much and thank you for coming on lee you've been great um um, that finishes just to me I'm in Ash Rose where can talking to Twitter we've got Lee's Twitter handle I know you guys are going to go on Lee's Twitter handle now and donate but where can they find you Joel uh, Joel Baby Herc always the same every week yeah um, Top the Pops is back on this week but I just, uh, <laughs> to go from to go from something very deep and very important to something really unimportant I know that Jennifer Rush The Power of Love is going to be number one soon so you might not want to follow me for that week so I'll be <laughs> about how awful that is. Joe, that might be, be the 
That's the second time this week you've cried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Joe, you strike me as somebody who collect the, um, now that's what I call music albums. It, it, the couple hundreds coming up. I know, yeah. that's a big milestone, isn't it? Yeah, I've got I've got now one. Have you? I thought you might. I knew you'd I've got now one. I've got now one, now three, and then loads of them from like six to about 20 odd. Um, um, but six is a good one. Thirteen's okay. a very good one. No, I think I've got th- I've got twenty nine thirty. I'm the thirties. That was my year. Yeah, I'm t- I was thinking, I'm uh, I'm showing your age there. Yeah, I'm a little bit. Yeah, uh, Matthew, where can people find you on Twitter? And you've got a few new articles coming, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, if you follow me at, at Matthew J Chris, you can see a few articles about well, one about Kevin Keegan's rant on Sunday, for example. How about that? <laughs> Who's ever uh, who's ever discussed that before? Eh? Don't ask Joel about it. That's all I say. No. Um, you can find me at Ashrose UK on Twitter, but more importantly, follow the podcast at AK Nineties. Where today we're celebrating Jamie Pollock Day. If you've not seen, love the, it. The best own goal of all time. <laughs> which obviously for me personally, it was it helped us <laughs> not go down that season and probably in the end ended Main City's reign in that division. Jamie Pollock's own goal in nineteen ninety eight. Go on the Twitter feed now and go and check it out because it's absolutely hilarious. One of the best own goals you'll ever see. Um, I've been Ash Rose. This has been Alive and Kicking. Good luck to Lee next week and all the boys doing the walk to, to Birmingham from Fulham. And until next time, keep it 90s.